Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello everyone and welcome to The Bubbling Adventure a podcast all about kids and how educating them positively can impact their entire life as well as society. Each week, we're having conversations with guests on different themes, and our aim is to have open discussions, share different points of view, and learn in a non-judgmental way. Before we start, I just wanted to thank you all who have been listening every week. The best way to support this podcast is to subscribe if you haven't already and write a review if you're listening from Apple Podcasts. I am just loving all of your feedback and comments and I'm so happy that you're enjoying the episode. And of course, if there's anything that you would like to hear on this podcast, do not hesitate to message me on Instagram or Facebook. But yes, I'm very happy, so thank you. Today, we are welcoming Prinay Johan, who became a Mackenzie friend after going through the court process himself. This episode means a lot to me because it is very personal and yet it happens to so many families, so it's very important to raise awareness around it. As usual, you will find all the information in the description box below. But without further ado, let's begin. Hi Prinay, how are you? Yeah, very well, thanks. Yourself? Good, thank you. Good, good. Um, so obviously I know a little bit about you, but if you could please introduce yourself. Yeah, sure. So my name is Prinay Chohan. I run a company which is Mackenzie Friends Services. I'm 34 years old and yeah, I'm just running the business to really help other fathers and mothers who are in the situation where possibly they are, you know, trying to gain access to their children or in some more serious cases, they have been alienated from their children and their children no longer want to see them. So it's just about reconnecting families really. And that's what the aim is for me. So yeah, I mean, I started the business mm -hmm. around about eight months ago now, and it's just been growing and growing. I didn't really realize the severity of, of what was going on mm -hmm. to the scale it is actually at. Wow, that's amazing. So your company is about helping people go through that process. 
and you said you started eight months ago and you're also a dad right yeah i'm a father yeah so i've got a two and a half year old son and the reason i started the business was because i went through a situation where me and my son's mother we sort of had a breakup and certain things happened and you know we we didn't see eye to eye on certain things. And then I kind of realized that obviously I wanted to see my son as much as possible, but I understand that's not always possible when people sort of are going through a breakup and everything. So I had to go through the court process mm -hmm. uh, in order to gain access to see my son. And that's where it all really began for me really, because I went through the process. I actually tried to get a solicitor on board Then I realized the cost involved in that. So they were talking around a £15,000 mark, which, wow. you know, obviously I had some money saved, but that was for my son. And uh, my family always, they always said, look, if you need to, we can help you with this and you can get a solicitor, etc." I just didn't really feel that, that the solicitors were really looking out for me as such. And then I just started to research. I started to research, research. Then I found out that there are other Mackenzie friends available. So I actually tried to use a McKenzie friend, but I'm always one of those people where I'd, I'd always do the work myself as well. So like, I wouldn't just rely on someone and just say, okay, they're going to deal with, with something this mm -hmm. important. I'm, I'm just going to take a back seat. I was actually doing the work myself. And luckily I did that because the McKenzie friend, he didn't turn up on that particular day for court. Wow. So yeah, I was left in a position where I had to do it myself, really. It come push to shove and I had no choice, but I had to speak for myself and I had to do everything myself in court. And once I did it once, I just thought, you know what, I can, I'm going to do this alone. I went through the process and I feel as if I, I got a fairly good result, you know. And then the judge actually said to me, you know, you've done very well and everything. You've presented your paperwork really, really well. She, she was the one who first said to me, you might be better helping other people. Oh, wow. You know that's good that's very positive yeah yeah so that that was a real first sort of sign and then obviously after that i was going while i was going through the process i was speaking to uh, a group called families need fathers they're a charity organization they're a very good organization so we would sit and speak about what was going on and they'd give you some advice and what to do next and how to sort of build up a strategy really of what you're going to do in court so i, I continued to, to go to them groups after I, i had access to my son as well So I was helping other people voluntarily there. And they also said the same mm -hmm. similar thing. Like, why don't you, you know, take this on board and take it bigger? And that was the second sign, really. So, yeah. Yeah, that was a sign. I know, yeah. I think everything just happened. It was just more of a calling, really, that That's good. this is something that needs to be resolved. Mm -hmm. So for you, since you've been through the process and also you've been successful, it kind of makes sense. It's mm -hmm. It felt obvious to you that you would be able to now help other people in that situation. Yeah, I mean, the reason behind it was I, re I understand the pain that, you know, mm -hmm. uh, the trauma and the pain it can cause from obviously being away from your, your own family, your own children. And the more I looked into it, the more I realized that there was a lot of issues with the system that are actually the system mm -hmm. sort of not fit for purpose. It doesn't really serve children the way it should. And yeah, I mean, that's something that we can go into more depth about. Yeah, no, it would be very interesting, actually. Yeah, I mean, the system, it just doesn't feel as if it's fit for purpose in a sense. And by that, I mean, the solicitors are on board and say they're sending letters to other solicitors that they work with in the local areas. So say, for example, there were two people in Wales, they were a couple, uh, they had a child together and they both lived in, say, Cardiff, for example. They would both go, if they wanted to get legal advice, they would go and seek solicitors probably more than like in their local area because they mm -hmm. work etc they take the kids to school and, and whatnot so they don't want to be traveling miles to go and see a solicitor out of their area 
Now, these two solicitors, the firms, would actually have plenty of dealings with each other previously. Now, ideally, you'd like to think that they were against each other, but more often than not, they're quite friendly with each other. So they start to build a list of correspondence and they start to write letters back and forth. Mother would like this type of contact. Father says, no, how about this type of contact? Mother would write, how about maybe 4pm on a Friday till this time? Father writes back, his solicitor will have to write back another letter and, it, and the letters go on and on and on. So it builds up massive amounts of costs. Mm-hmm. And obviously the solicitors, some of them may be acting in this way where they're sort of trying to gain a lot of money from this sort of situation. And then you've also got CAFCAS who are involved. Now, Section 7 report would be done. So it's a report on sort of the safeguarding issues that, that are, are involved in the case. Now, that sort of relates back to solicitors in a way, because for family law, you can only actually get legal aid, which is, you know, you get your solicitor paid for by the government. You can only get legal aid if there has been allegations of domestic abuse. Right. So it's limiting because it's not everybody's case. It's limiting as well. Yeah. But I mean, I've been to solicitors myself, obviously going through my own case. When you go to the solicitor, mm-hmm. they will ask you questions to try and say, have you ever, you know, have you ever wanted to buy something and not been allowed to buy your, you know, your partner said, look, we can't afford this. Have you ever mm-hmm. had an argument with your partner where she may have raised their voice? You know, just, just some things that probably are quite normal in a relationship because people have disputes, etc. But domestic violence is now ranged out as emotional abuse, financial abuse, sexual abuse and psychological abuse. So those are all the aspects that the solicitor could possibly gain legal aid on. And it's not to say that people haven't actually been abused domestically, because that obviously happens. And it's very hard to determine the line of, of what's going on. Because also I imagine you have two very different stories. So sometimes it must be hard to kind of get at the bottom of everything. It's, it's, it's tough because, say, two, two people did break up. The father's put an application in to see the child. For example, the child's living with mother. Now, mother will have to pay for a solicitor if she wanted to use a solicitor. And that's obviously going to be between 10 to 15,000 pounds. Now, not everyone can afford that. So if she can go to into a solicitor and possibly say, you know, something that has happened previously where, you know, she wanted a new kitchen, etc., or they wanted to, to buy a sofa set or something. And, you know, someone said that they're not able to afford it. That is actually classed as financial abuse. So therefore, she may be entitled to a free solicitor, if that makes sense. So it's crazy, really, like the way that things are. And then in in the court process, it goes to fact-finding here and and then they can determine whether it's actually true or false. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because so you've been through the process, obviously, but what are the things that you've learned once you started the business? Okay, once I started the business, I actually realised that there is a severe problem. It's not stopping, it's actually growing so there are more and more people separating and the problem of child arrangements is growing and growing and actually the chances of success really for if there is a success in the case uh, are very difficult because it's it's a solicitor's job to try and stop contact from happening because if they're representing one party that doesn't want contact to happen their measure of success is how well they block contact when I first started the business that's when I realised the severity of the problem because obviously I was helping people voluntarily 
on a one-to-one basis or maybe four-to-one basis in in a room in Leicestershire where there'd be 30 people attending. Mm. Now the level of inquiries are in the hundred and I'm just one of the organisations that are trying to help. So if if, if, if you're right. more further reaching, there would probably be obviously hundreds of thousands of people that they, they would need the help. And is there some kind of pattern that maybe you've been noticing where fathers are actually, they're not benefiting yeah. from the court decision? Yeah, so... There's many problems, really. Say, for example, there was a, a breakup of relationship and the mother had the child living with her. The courts then believe that that is the status quo. So the child is then automatically classed as happy in that home. And to change that... Because it's with the mother. Yeah, so that becomes a status quo. So that is the normality. So when a father then applies for some sort of contact or say, for example, he wanted to actually change residence to his house, it's very, very difficult because the courts and CAFCAS actually believe that it's going to be disruptive to the child if they change residence, whereas they have already been disruptive not seeing their other parent, really. So, you know, it's a, it's a major problem in that sense. Secondly, there is the domestic violence side of things and, and the allegation side of things. So one party, and it's not always the, it's not always the mother against the father, so I deal with a lot of women as well. And if allegations come in, and they could be anything where they could say, you know, the child's been neglected, etc. In, mm-hmm. in the mother's care or the father's care, these allegations have to be investigated by Kafka. So nothing can move forward in terms of contact until these allegations have been investigated. So once the allegations get investigated, you go back into court, but if a new allegation comes up, there's a delay and that allegation has to be investigated as well. Now, if the allegation is found to be false or incorrect, there is no reprisal for mother or father. There's no there's no punishment for making an accusation that is false or incorrect, even if it is... Oh, right. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's... So yeah. there is no punishment for that really because what they say is the court what the courts actually say is we can't punish the person who's looking after the child because that is going to be detrimental to the child so they can't find them they can't obviously send them to prison they, they can't really do anything to them and the same ray really goes in where say for example one of the parents is blocking the other parent from having contact with the, with the child they can't so what happens is an enforcement order goes in Mm -hmm. to enforce an order that's been made before so for example two parents have already been to court they've already got a court order and this says that the father can see the child every other weekend or the mother can see the child every other weekend say for example that didn't happen and father stops the contact from happening altogether and doesn't let the mother see the child for example Mm -hmm. mother would have to apply for an enforcement order And then they would go back into court and the judge will say, look, why isn't this happening? Why isn't contact taking place? He could either make new allegations up, they'd have to be investigated, there'll be a massive delay. Or if he holds his hands up and says, sorry, you know, contact didn't happen, I will start contact again. And he doesn't, there's nothing that can happen to him because they can't find him because it's going to be detrimental to the child. So they can't find him financially. They can't send him to, to to prison because he obviously is taking care of the child and it will be punishing the child as well. So really and truly, th- th- that's what I'm trying to say when the system is not fit for purpose. So yeah, there's a lot of problems wrong with the system. So we're just trying to do the best we can in the poor system, really. Yeah, that's because so trying to do. you have to wait for the investigation. You have to wait for the court's decision that may be positive or maybe not. 
and mm-hmm. during all that time there's nothing you can do yeah. when you're the parent putting like the like going to court you cannot see your child in the meantime no i mean sometimes they might might grant interim contact but it's not very likely mm-hmm. because if there is a serious allegation that has gone in say for example physical harm towards a child they they wouldn't mm-hmm. CAFAS wouldn't advise contact to happen because they believe it's a safeguarding issue so they don't want to put the child in any danger so a lot of the time contact doesn't happen but we do try and push for supervised contact in a contact center but obviously that costs money and it's around about the, the most cheapest you can possibly get is around about 40 to 50 pounds a day mm-hmm. no, sorry 50 pounds for an hour oh so the whole system is sort of geared towards making money like the courts are obviously charging 215 pounds per child application if you wanted to try and enforce that you're looking at around about 70 to 90 pounds and that's just for the application let alone to actually have anyone helping you yeah that must be tough so how do you identify the cases that you would agree to work on and okay. are there any cases that you just decide maybe like it's not ethical something that i want to defend yeah yeah sure i mean what i do as soon as i start the case if there has been any allegations of domestic abuse to ensure that i'm happy with it i'll obviously question the person and it's sort of like an interrogation so not not the person who has been domestically abused i'm interrogating the person who has been accused of being the perpetrator of domestic abuse so obviously i'm going to ask questions and try and get my personal balance so i'm happy with what i'm doing but secondly i apply for a subject access request to the police so that will retrieve all the information that they hold on their system for this particular person okay yeah and that will show you know i've had i've had cases before where for example someone has been arrested for harassment now they've been arrested for harassment so i've done a subject access request to get all the information from that particular police force and then the information came back that the police had notes on there to say we didn't believe this was harassment because he was simply asking how his child was and he only asked it on two occasions yeah so the police have actually agreed that he hasn't been harassing anyone he's just sort of trying to find out if his child was actually still alive in that particular case so once i get the information obviously i I try not to judge anyone but you as a human you just i think we we all sort of have some sort of judgment as what's right and what's wrong so that's my first sort of test but secondly i request all the information from the police force to enable me to make a a valid sort of decision really for for an example for a case that i wouldn't take on or I, i haven't actually taken on is I've had someone come to me and say, I don't want them to see the child at all. What can you do? So I've said, look, sorry, that's not what I can help with. It's not what I find ethical. And my whole ethos is to enable the children to see both parents where possible. By what I'm saying is where where's possible is as long as that person isn't actually detrimental to the child's life or abusive or a problem, then it's important for children to know both parents and spend time with both parents yeah it must be it must be tough sometimes to kind of like have your own judgment and i mean we've been seeing especially these past few years the amount of studies showing how important it is for the child's development to have both 
parents yeah, around definitely. them. Um, so yeah, no, I totally get it. And I also wanted to ask you so far, like the, the case that has been kind of the most common that you've seen. Recently, obviously, the most common is the coronavirus and the government have given out advice stating that children should travel between two homes. So, for example, two parents' homes, and that is acceptable. But they sort of gave advice that was a little bit controversial because a lot of people taking it the, the wrong way where it says where possible. So the blocking of contact while the coronavirus has been going on That has been the most prevalent case, really, in the sense that mm. it's just people contacting all the time still to this to this day, um, saying that contact has been stopped due to coronavirus and a particular party is shielding, for example, or, you know, they're, they're sort of self-isolating. And, and that's been the most sort of popular thing at the moment, really. I mean, if that's the right word for it, I don't think it is. It's not, it's not popular. It's uh, common. Yeah, the most common, yeah. Yeah, I imagine. And also the, so are the earrings, are it, how do you call them? Hearings? Okay, so the, yeah, the hearings. Yeah, are they, are they virtual as well during coronavirus or? Yeah, so the hearings are done over the telephone. So everyone's sort of dialed into the call, the judge, Kafkas and, and the two parties as well. I don't think they're particularly working that well. And especially for Kafkas to do a safeguarding report over the phone it doesn't really it doesn't really work so my clients when they've had kafkas reports done previously in person they've always seemed to get good results i prep them on sort of what's going to be expected of them and what they should be focusing on really but over the telephone it's hard to judge what someone's like really uh, completely because when they do a safeguarding check they're supposed to be checking the child's possible environment so They're supposed to be looking at the house. Is it fit for purpose? Have they got sort of stair gates in place? Have they got plug sockets covered? If they're small, young children, are there obviously any, is there any alcohol around in reach or medicines in reach of children or are there any signs of drug use, etc.? But over the telephone, obviously it's very difficult to do that or impossible to do that. So that's a big problem at the moment. And a lot of people are hurting, you know, when, When they're going through this situation, they're in a lot of pain, a lot of trauma, and they're getting asked to sort of relive that over the telephone. And it's hard for people to talk, you know, especially fathers. I think it is difficult for men to talk and open up in a sense that, you know, we don't speak to anyone really about your problems as mm -hmm. such. And it's very hard for people to communicate, which I think it needs to be sort of taken on board a little bit more and understood that they're still they're still hurting and they're still in pain and maybe they aren't truly represented in you know media and culture in general because i feel that i mean there are probably some movies and series about this but the ones that i can remember are like show an image of the dad that shouldn't necessarily win And so I guess also there's that. So it must be hard for them to express their emotions because yeah. it's something that's not very represented. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think obviously men and women are different. Women can do a lot that men can't do and men can do a certain amount of things that women can't do. And that's why we're so beautifully different. So like for a child growing up, 
a mother and a father, they offer them so many different range of things and experiences and love and care and affection. So it's very difficult when you have to sort of go to a room and other people are deciding on what they think is best for your children. It's very hard to deal with. And like for certain people, they haven't even spoken to their friends about what's going on. So just to a total stranger, really, about what's going on, why it's happened, what do you think about it in sort of a robotic way and a non-human way. Especially when it's the most important thing for you yeah. like in your life. Yeah. That, that must be, yeah. Yeah, I just don't think it's the right way to do it, to do things. I just don't think that's the right way. I know and I understand, obviously, we're in a pandemic. There's, I do appreciate that CAFCAS or social services are still trying to get things moving by doing this remotely. But I just think it's not really fit for purpose. And I think maybe some bad decisions could have been made during this period, to be honest. Right. And also, at what age do they start asking to the kids about their preferences? As in, do they want to stay with their mom or their yeah, dad? Yeah, so it's the age of around about 12. Um, but I have had cases where they have spoken to the children when they're younger as well. So... I. I think it kind of depends on the officer sort of dealing with it. But um, around about 12, they try to take on board their wishes and feelings, which it's it's hard to really gauge a child's wishes and feelings when they've been possibly subject to other opinions. So, for example, mm -hmm. if a child's living with one of the parents and another parent's trying to gain access or contact, if the two parents haven't had a great relationship and you know, they still hold some sort of hate or resentment, then this may be passed on to the child in some way, shape or form. And that child may pick up certain things and say certain things that really are not their own wishes and feelings. They're actually an another person's, you know. So that's that's a big problem, really, what's going on mm -hmm. in the court system as well. Do you think a lot of cases you come across are because the couple, the parents, are having a hard time being objective because they've been hurt, because maybe the failure of their relationship and that therefore it's hard for them to only think about their child's well-being. And if yes, do you think this could easily be avoided before? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that is one of the main reasons why I think parents can't act amicably is because they do hold that resentment and that hurt still within them I, I think the only way to really deal with that is to is is by talking and the other issue is with mediation things could be solved through mediation but it comes back to the point of the system really because if you've claimed domestic abuse so to, in order to get free legal aid you would have had to claim domestic abuse so if you've claimed domestic abuse mediation is not possible that you're not expected to go to mediation if you've been domestically abused which makes sense if you have been domestically abused so if you look at the figures obviously the rate of people that are saying that they've been domestically abused has risen since the government changed the ruling to show that obviously legal aid can only be granted to people who have had domestic abuse the figures went berserk really the percentages went through the roof now that's not to discredit anyone who has been domestically abused or anything like that it's just uh, it just shows the The problem with the system so if you've been domestically abused you can't go to mediation now 
what happens in the court is it goes through court and they do a fact, what's called a fact-finding hearing. So this is when they're trying to find out if the allegations are true or false. The allegations, even if they prove, get proven to be false in court, the courts don't then ask you to go back and do mediation where you can speak to the other party and decide and think what's best for the children. The, the proceedings just continue. So you, the parents don't get a chance to really speak to each other. I think maybe more could be pushed upon the point of mediation. And if everyone, I don't know, really, it's, it's a difficult one because you obviously have got people who have been domestically abused and they do need help financially because they've been financially abused as well. So it's a very tough situation, but it is one where through our company, they are getting very, very good results. You know, we, we're just, we are churning out good results and we're doing the best we can possibly for everyone involved. And that's one of the main satisfactions for me really is that I'm helping people. And if I can think of the number of children who I've managed to reconnect with their families, like it's, it's very rewarding for me just for that point alone. Right. And also making it accessible as well, which is very important. Yeah. So it needs to be accessible. I had a bit of a dis disagreement with um, a barrister and I, I was asking for certain people to come and help me from, you know, some, some law students who were studying. So I posted oh. something up and I said, look, if there is anyone, because obviously the universities are closed and everyone, all the rest of it. If there's anyone who wants to gain some experience, you know, come and get involved. This is the ethos and this is what's going on here. You know, this is the company. And one of the barristers said, look, I don't. I don't agree with Mackenzie friends. And the reason for this is that if you were prosecuted for, for example, an armed robbery, the Crown, which is obviously the Queen and the government would have, they would use a barrister to prosecute you. So you should use a barrister to defend you. Now, my point to this was, are you suggesting that only people who have the funds should have a right to defend themselves because not everyone can afford a barrister that's the whole point but I, I didn't get any response but he blocked me basically um because they don't you know barristers and solicitors don't really like what we do because they're trying to prolong not not everyone don't get me wrong but not there are some brilliant barristers brilliant solicitors and i don't mean to put anyone down whatsoever um but it's just not applicable to every case basically yeah exactly and they make their money from the longer the case is drawn out we try and get this done as fast as possible to reconnect the children with the parents so we're kind of on the opposite ends of the spectrum i, I dealt with a lot of people who've been through the court system for three years or maybe more more years and um i'll, I'll get involved and within six months the whole case is complete and, and everything's turned around completely they got reconnected with their children and they're thinking to themselves what has happened You know, I've remortgaged my house, I'm mm. £70,000 down and, you know, you've managed to get this done in the course of six months and it's cost, say, for example, £2,000 and it's done. It's about it being accessible. We're trying to help as many people as we can. Obviously, you know, we've got overheads, etc. but we're literally doing this on a shoestring budget. Yeah, I can imagine. Very interesting. I mean, it's so important to even be aware of all these issues. Um, and so, last question, do you have any advice that you would like to share? Yeah, the advice would be, if anyone's going through this situation, drop your ego and forget about your pride and just try and think what's the best for 
your children forget about the, the problems that you've got between each other forget about everything because it's not important it's it's what's going to be important for your children or your child that's what you need to focus on so you could have this hate resentment etc in your heart but at the end of the day it's only the children that are suffering no one else you know adults will get over these sort of things but for a child it's their whole development is it builds who they are when they are a child and if you're not acting correctly and doing the right thing you you're going to damage them hmm. this is very powerful mm, that, that's just the way i see it really well that's amazing i really like how you're using your own experience and then replicate it in order to help as many people as you can i think that's very inspiring thank you thank you very much and thank you so so much for joining us today it sure, was a pleasure for me and Take care. Take care. See you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. Feel free to share if you think it might be helpful to someone you know. If you enjoyed this episode, then please make sure to write a review if you're listening on Apple Podcast and subscribe if you haven't already. That's it for me. See you soon with the next episode. And in the meantime, have a lovely day. 